Well, I don't know where you've been hanging out through this COVID season, but I have been spending way more time than I would like down here in my basement. It's just, it's hard with a family of five. I'm, all three of my kids are doing virtual school. Like just trying to find a place that's quiet where I can focus, you know, where I can get on that Zoom without hearing somebody else's Zoom. Um, so this table just behind me is really been the coveted spot to try and find a little bit of sanity during a really difficult season that we're in. I don't know what it is about um, basements. I'm just not really a fan of them. I don't know if it's, the low ceiling that we're dealing with here. I don't know if it's the, the lack of natural light. It's just, you know, it's just a little bit dark. It's not very hopeful of a, of a room. Um, actually, I, I think maybe what it is is that people are constantly referring to the Cincinnati Bengals as being in the basement of their division in the NFL. That just bothers me. I, I don't like basements. And then just a couple of days ago, just to kind of cap it all off, um, my, my sump pump decided to, to stop working. And so within a couple of hours, my basement was flooded. Like I had this pretty nice carpet down here, completely saturated. Like the pad underneath just acted like a sponge, soaked up all that water. Man, that was such a great day. Uh, cutting all that carpet and taking it out outside. Just fantastic. See, I, I don't know what it is about COVID, but, but it seems like every day, we're just trying to make it through the day. We're just trying to survive. And if you're like me, as long as everything goes according to plan, like it's, it's a good day. You, you make it through the day. You survive. But if anything doesn't go according to plan, man, it's like, I don't have the margin for this. I don't have the bandwidth for this. And, um, and so this is just kind of the season that we're in right now. We are in a basement season. In fact, 2020 has kind of been a basement year for the most part with all that we're going through. Well, the Apostle Peter is writing a letter to a group of people who are also experiencing a basement season of life. We are starting a series today called The Power of Hope. And this letter that Peter writes is bringing some hope to this group of people who are in their basement season. And it also brings that same hope to us This is how it starts. Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, what we know from this very first verse is that Peter is addressing Christians and they're scattered all throughout these different places, which they're all in modern day Turkey. And these Christians who he calls in the second chapter of his letter, he refers to them as aliens and strangers, these exiles. The reason that they're exiles is because of their faith in Jesus Christ. This is not a popular thing. We're talking 30 years after Jesus's death, so roughly 63 AD. And and just to give you a feel for the context for what their basement would have been like in this season, Um, I want to read to you from the famous Roman historian Tacitus. Tacitus is writing about the great fire of Rome that happened just two years later in uh, 65 AD. And as you hear this account, I want you to notice, just, just get a feel for how Christians were regarded during that time. This is what Tacitus writes about the great fire of Rome and the emperor Nero. 
who, by the way, was basically thought to have started the fire so that he could clear space for, you know, another great palace or Colosseum. So Tacitus writes these words. He says, consequently, to get rid of the report, that's the report that uh, he had started this fire, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations, called Christians by the populace. Now, what's so interesting about that is that that Christians, before Nero even just began to to besiege them with with all this torturous stuff that he did to them, they were already hated. And so that's what you need to understand about this group of people that, that Peter's writing to. They were already hated for their abominations. Now, abominations, what, what were the abominations? Well, the first one was that they were thought to be cannibals because they were doing this cannibalistic practice of eating and drinking the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, that even wasn't the, the most horrible of abominations, according to the Romans. The, the, the most serious one was that they refused to declare that the emperor, Nero, was, was Caesar, was Lord, because they kept saying, no, 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 no. Jesus Christ is Lord. He has risen from the dead. He's appeared to us, and we are proclaiming that he's Lord, not Nero or any other emperor. And so Christians were hated. They were under siege. They were constantly being persecuted and brought to their death. So, you know, they were going through their basement season. And, you know, we are in our own basement season here in 2020. And it is to, to that group of people and to us today that Peter writes some incredible words of hope. So after Peter kind of gets the introductions out of the way, he says in verse three, he says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, you have to understand what those original readers would have just been thinking when they read those words from Peter. These are people who are facing death every single day of their lives. And to know that they had been born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the fact that because Jesus has been resurrected, that through faith in him, they also would be resurrected one day, they don't have to fear death. I mean, this is incredible for them in what they're going through in this basement season of their lives. And certainly for us, what an incredible reminder that whatever we're going through, we have living hope too, knowing that ultimately whatever we're facing, it's ultimately resurrectable through faith in Jesus Christ. But it's not just what's ultimately gonna happen, but there's tremendous hope for us living hope for today, for right now in this basement season that we're in. You see, our living hope is found in a living relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus isn't just someone who walked this earth 2,000 years ago and died, and, and now we just read about him and read about his teachings. No, we actually have a a relationship that's available to us through Jesus Christ, who is alive and well. His spirit is alive in us today. I just want to remind you of that. Maybe that's the whole reason that God wanted you to tune in today, was to, to realize that you have that ability to have a relationship 
with Jesus, even in the midst of everything that you're struggling with right now, everything that you're facing. So I want to ask you, how's your relationship with Jesus? Because there's a huge difference between knowing about Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. I have um, this awesome old jersey. This is Cincinnati Bengals jersey from Boomer Esiason, who was an incredible quarterback for the Bengals back in the 1980s. And um, Boomer actually led the team to a Super Bowl when I was 13 years old. And uh, man, it was just amazing. Actually, it was like the last time that the Bengals were actually good. Uh, they've just They've just been floundering ever since. And in fact, this past season, they were the worst team in the NFL. And so they got the best pick in the NFL draft. They went out and they took a guy by the name of Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow is an amazing quarterback. And um, and I've kind of been obsessed, I guess you could call him my man crush for this past year, um, because he is so good. And even though the Bengals still aren't very good, it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, he is amazing to watch. And, um, and so I have, I have very much been enjoying getting to know all kinds of things about Joe Burrow. Um, I know that he threw 60 touchdown passes, set an all time record last year with LSU. Um, I know that his favorite meal is a Western omelet with a side of double hash browns. And I also know that he has done a tremendous amount of work for uh, racial justice and racial equity efforts. He's been very outspoken with the team. And I just think that's really, really cool. But for as, as cool as all this stuff about Joe Burrow is, there's actually not a lot of power in knowing about Joe Burrow. Where the power is, is when I have a relationship with Joe Burrow, which I don't have. Now, Joe, if you happen to be watching, um, I'm going to put my email up on the screen. Please email me. Let's hang out. Western omelets on me, bro. Okay. I would, I would, let's, let's get something started here. But in, in all seriousness, what we have to remember when it comes to Jesus is as cool as it is to know all this stuff about Jesus, about his teachings, about what he did when he walked this earth. We have the ability to have a relationship with Jesus. And right now, considering everything that we're going through, this is when we need this relationship most. So I just want to ask you, are you taking time to talk to Jesus? Are you, are you reaching out for those things that you're struggling with right now and you're asking him for help? Are you taking time to listen to what he's saying to you through his spirit that's inside of you? Because you got to remember that our living hope is found in a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Peter continues in verse four and says that we've been born into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. You know, I love bananas. Like they're like my go-to healthy snack. These things are amazing. You know, they're so easy, quick peel. They got their own little carrying case. I mean, they're delicious. They are just the perfect little snack. But you know what's such a bummer is when you aren't paying attention to your bananas ripening and a banana goes from this to this, and it can happen so quickly. I mean, this is like the definition of a perishable food. You know, what's interesting is we can put our hope 
in so many perishable things, can't we? I mean, there's so much we hope in in this life. We, we put our hope in our career. We put our hope in our 401k. We put our hope in a vaccine for coronavirus. And man, we even put our hope in a political party, don't we? I mean, that's just what we do. But what I love what Peter is saying here, it's such a great reminder to us, is that ultimately, all of those things will ultimately perish, spoil, or fade. Even mighty political parties, and man, we have just been inundated for for just months and months and months. Thank God the election is finally over. But the the truth is that even political parties are going to fade. They're going to spoil. They're going to perish at some point. I mean, remember the Federalist Party? That used to be a thing. The Whigs, (laughs) where, where did they go? Republicans, Democrats, who knows? Maybe one day we won't even have those parties anymore. I mean, even nations, even empires perish, spoil, and fade. Think about it. The, the, the most recent three greatest empires, the Spanish Empire, the Russian Empire, and the British Empire. I mean, the British Empire, this was less than 100 years ago. You guys think about this. Less than 100 years ago, the British Empire accounted for over 20% of the world. And where is it today? Man, that is wild to think about. All of the things that we put our hope in are ultimately going to perish, spoil, or fade. But what Peter is reminding us of is that ultimately there is something that we've been born into that will never perish. It will never spoil. It will never fade. And that is the kingdom of God. So that emperor, Nero, considered the craziest, most infamous of all the Roman empires. He couldn't stop what was advancing. He tried to stamp out Christianity. He impaled Christians on poles. He set Christians on fire. He, he, he released wild animals to, to kill Christians all the time. And yet, the more that he tried to put out this movement, the more it spread and the more it grew until finally Christianity overtook the mighty Roman Empire and it was declared the religion of Rome just a few centuries later. See, the truth is the kingdom of God can never be stopped. It is imperishable. So Peter continues in verse 5, and I love the message translation of what Peter says. It says, the day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. That is so good. I want to read that to you one more time. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. Isn't that ultimately what we're all longing for? That day when life is as it should be? It reminds me of that Hebrew word shalom, which means so much more than peace. It's, it's just this idea of complete wholeness, fulfillment, peace, joy, satisfaction, all rolled up into one. So 
my little bit of shalom, I don't know if you can see it, but it's right back behind me, is found when I get into that yellow kayak back there. I absolutely love being on the water. And, um, and I take that kayak out at Great Falls, not running the huge waterfalls, but, but down below those waterfalls. Man, I love paddling through there. There's just something about being in, in Nather Gorge and, and just surrounded by nature and the water, getting a great workout. It is absolutely shalom inducing. I just feel like life is as it should be. So what Peter is, is saying here is that there will be a day where we experience that shalom, life healed and whole. And so our ultimate hope is that one day we will have that. That's, that's one day. But here's the thing. We all realize that, hey, that day isn't today. We find ourselves in this basement season. We find ourselves suffering and struggling and dealing with all this stuff. And here's the thing. Um, Jesus actually made us a promise. He said, you know what? In this world, you will have trouble. You're not going to have that day in this life. There, there will be a day one day. But for right now, we have free will. This is a fallen, broken world that we live in. And so it is going to be tough. But Jesus says, take heart that I have overcome the world. There is a day that's coming where we will have it all. Life healed and whole. Now, probably the most common question that we get as pastors at Grace is something to do with suffering. What is the deal with suffering? Why am I suffering or why is someone close to me suffering? What's the deal with all the suffering? Now, there are so many different ways that that question can be answered. There's, there's so many different Bible verses that can be quoted when it comes to the question of suffering. But I want to give you two responses that you can give every single time to suffering, no matter the context, no matter what's going on, every single time. And maybe for you, right now, you're in the midst of something. You're suffering and you, you've been asking why. Let me tell you, with, without even knowing specifically what the situation is, let me give you two answers from the scriptures to speak to your suffering. The first one is this. God knows your suffering. What we know is that God is with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through right now, God is with us. And not only that, but he came to this earth 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus Christ, and he suffered. He knows what it's like to live this life. So in the midst of your basement struggle, in the midst of whatever it is that you're dealing with, remember, God is with you and God knows fully, completely your suffering and what you're dealing with. And the second thing from scripture is in the midst of your suffering, know this, there is a day that is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. Those are two promises from scripture. God is with you. God knows your suffering and there's a day that's coming when you will no longer suffer, where God's going to wipe every tear. He's going to make everything all right. That is hope. 
that we have. And that's why Peter says in verse 6, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. The reason that we can greatly rejoice is because we have hope, even in the midst of the basement that we find ourselves in. We have a living hope in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are part of something that is imperishable, the kingdom of God. And our suffering is ultimately redeemable. There will be a day that's coming when we will be fully healed and whole. So as we come to the end of this message, I just want to remind you of something. This hope that we have, this is not optimism or positivity, as as great as those things are. This isn't wishful thinking like, I I hope I win the lottery this week. Um, This is actually a hope that is verifiable. It's a hope that's solid. It's as solid as this cinder block wall behind me. See, I don't know what's going to happen in a couple hundred years from now. I don't know if this house will still be standing, but you know what I do know? If archaeologists come to this site and they spend enough time here, they will be able to find something that they can study and they can use their little dating system and they can figure out that there was life here back in 2020. I'm sure of that. And in the Middle East, it's like an archaeologist's dream. I mean, there, there is so much stuff there. And, and they have been able, archaeologists have been able to, to find all sorts of things that confirm and verify so many different events and, and uh, leaders and, and empires and all different kinds of things that validate the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's not just archaeology. In fact, what makes this hope so verifiable is that this was an actual event that took place that is documented by non-Christian sources. So we're talking about Jewish historians, Greek historians, secular historians, and even Roman historians like Tacitus that we read from earlier. He was writing about Nero and the great fire of Rome. I want to read to you what he writes right after he talks about those Christians and their abominations. Check out what he says next. And notice that this is not a guy who's a Christian. This is not um, a positive account of Christianity. And that's the point. Listen to this. Tacitus says, Christus from whom the name had its origin, he's referring to Jesus Christ, suffered the extreme penalty, that's the crucifixion, during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate, probably familiar with that name, and a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world, find their center and become popular. So what Tacitus is verifying here, even with words like like evil and hideous and shameful, is he's verifying important facts that happened 2,000 years ago. That there was a man named Jesus Christ who lived, who was crucified under Pontius Pilate. And after that happened, All of a sudden, all over the empire, this crazy superstition that Jesus rose from the dead is being touted by all of these people who end up going to their graves claiming that they've seen him. This 
is nothing short of amazing. And here's why. Because think about this. When you have anyone claiming to be a Messiah, as soon as that Messiah dies, when you say that you're God and you live forever and then you die, immediately the movement is discredited, the followers all dissipate, and that's it. It's done. That's why we, we never hear about any messianic messiahs because they're, because they just were oblivious in human history. So here is Jesus, claims to be a messiah, claims to be God. He is crucified. So the movement should be over. Simple as that. And yet, this crazy superstition, according to Tacitus, all of these Jesus followers still are saying, no, no, he has risen. We've seen him. And here's the thing. They were willing to face Nero and anybody else and go to their graves rather than recant what they'd seen and heard. This is why Peter, in the second letter that he writes to this group of Christians, says in 2 Peter 1.16, this is why he's so hopeful. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories, when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Listen, the reason that Peter is so bold, the reason that he is so full of hope as he writes this letter is because this is something that he knows, he's verified it with his own eyes. This is a living hope in a relationship with a living God, Jesus Christ. This is a hope that is imperishable, and Peter is part of an imperishable kingdom that is advancing and cannot be stamped out by Rome. And this is a hope in the fact that his suffering, no matter what he suffers, no matter what we suffer, no matter what you're suffering today, in your basement experience of 2020, it is ultimately redeemable. It will be made whole. And we know from all of the archaeology and all of the sources outside of the Bible that this is a hope that is verifiable. We can trust it. And so whatever you're facing today, whatever you're going through, that is your hope. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that you are our living hope. We thank you that we can have a relationship with you, that we don't just have to know about you, but we can have a relationship with you. I just want to pray right now for every single person out there who who just is in need of you right now, just in need of your presence, God. I pray that you'd help all of us to lean into that relationship. And I just pray, God, that you would encourage us and be more than enough for us right now. In Christ's name, amen.